0: And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S. White Plains, New York.
1: Before history is written,
2: Bobby
0: Orr, behind the net,
2: the the it's played. Tonelli, Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golic. Mike Golik, Jr., Mike Golic Sr., Jesse Cofield hold the down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Awesome show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five-star rating and check us out. Subscribe to the DraftKings YouTube channel where you can watch us. Every day, Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, live there, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and more. Patrick Sertan 2nd going to join us. Broncos defensive back, one of the best young players in the NFL, talking about their season turnaround. How does a team respond after getting 70 points put on their head? <laughs> uh, fascinated to talk to him about that and some good stuff he's doing off the field. But, Dad, do you think Al Michaels feels like he's cursed at this oh. point? Like, I does, mean, does Al just, yeah. at some point in the middle of that game, have to feel like in a past life he did something where now the football gods refuse to give him a Thursday night football game that has either a compelling result or a normal outcome? I mean, so he's a guy that,
2: and and he's he's got one hell of a resume, obviously, that was used the spoken word last year to kind of give his opinion that these weren't the best games on Thursday night. So here's the phenomenal matchup that he gets. And in the and, and listen, his comments be damned. I mean, these teams are in trouble. You know, in the first quarter, Mark Andrews goes down with an ankle injury and looks like he is done for the year. Lamar Jackson was actually down on the sideline with an ankle as well. You had to be going, oh, my God, if you were a Baltimore fan, are you kidding me? This guy's having a monster year. You got one of the best tight ends in the game already out, and he's laying on the sideline with his hands on his head. And then, oh, by the way, Joe Burrow throws a touchdown pass. Yay! And then you put the ISO camera on him, and he's holding his arm like he just, you know, took a baseball bat to it. You're thinking, what the hell's going on? So he comes goes in, comes back out on the sideline. He tries to throw, and he is absolutely wincing in pain. So it sounds like a sprain, but we don't know yet on that. So here's how the the game ends. Baltimore wins, and we'll obviously get into the game. They sweep Cincinnati. Mark Andrews likely done for the year. Luckily, Lamar Jackson seems to be fine. Joe Burrow is going to miss some time, so it's Jake Browning time in Cincinnati. Bengal fans have to be putting their hands on their heads saying, what the hell else can happen right now?
0: Yeah, so the Ravens win this game, which seems like a foregone conclusion after everything that dad just mentions to you right there is once Joe Burrow goes down, this became a really unfun contest and started becoming more existential about what happens now in the rest of the season. Dad, you saw in the midst of this game... The Amazon Prime broadcast starts going back to footage from before the game where Joe Burrows walking into the stadium with a compression sleeve on that same arm. I saw Chris Long over at the Greenlight podcast going back over game film from the prior week, looking at the potential spot where he saw this injury might have occurred. And, Dad, as you pointed out to me before the show, on these short weeks sometimes, because of the way they practice and formulate the schedule, the question of why didn't this show up on an injury report should this have been mentioned sometimes gets cloudy. Yeah, it
2: does. I mean, because basically on a short week, you're never putting pads on, you're never doing anything physical in a practice. So basically, unless you have a lower body injury where you can't even, or, you know, a a more serious upper body injury where you can't even go out for walkthrough, then you'll be on the list. But, Joe Burrow seems he went out for all the, basically, the walkthroughs, so he never went on a list. And quite honestly, Mike, that's the least of their worries. Those that are, that are saying, oh the Bengals could be in trouble because they didn't have on the list, who gives a damn? The Bengals could be in trouble because Joe Burrow may not be the quarterback for them. They can deal well, with any issue I mean, they, they, the they league They could throws. give
0: some of a damn because that feels like something that if the league decided they were really in the wrong for in a day and age where fantasy football sports gambling all these things are as much of a part of the league model as anything not disclosing that kind of information does tend to affect a lot of people and is something the league frowns on I'm with you it is further down on their order of needs when it comes to the problems that they're getting ready to face because now dad without Joe Burrow this all goes kaput We had been getting to the point where the Cincinnati Bengals coming off Joe Burrow healing up from the calf injury had started to look more like a contender. You had the setback last week, but if Joe Burrow is out for a considerable amount of time now and we'll get to some comments from Zach Taylor after the game about a non-answer and an update on his injury status, that's the season for them. He is that important to their operation. Their entire offense around Zach Taylor and what they want to do there is built around the fact that you've got a quarterback. We talked about this yesterday when we were discussing Josh Allen. Allen. With Joe Burrow, you've got one of the quarterbacks that is special enough to where everything else is catered to him because he's going to make every other position on the field in your offense and hell in some ways on your defense better than they were without him and so you pull that away and now all of a sudden the AFC North that we talked about with three teams that could potentially get in the playoffs all of a sudden opens up the door for Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers voodoo. Yeah. Yeah. All these things now happen because one guy winced on the sideline throwing and looked like his wrist was kaput. So you're looking at that division now
2: Baltimore 8 and 3 with the sweep and that's key with the sweep of Cincinnati Cincinnati sitting at the bottom at 5 and 5 both Pitt and Cleveland at 6 and 3 and we kept saying Joe Burrow's calf is getting better and even in the loss to Houston their offense still put up 24 points against Houston and got a defensive touchdown to put him in the 30. So that was surprising, you know, that was more like on uh, on the defense there, giving up some points uh, and C.J. Stroud and what he's done. So that you think he's healing from that and once he – as he's getting better and better, that – the team is going to get better. But T. Higgins, we know, has been nicked up and missing some time as well. But you just thought, it's again, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. All teams go through some injuries. It depends on who and when. But can you take care of that attrition heading into the end of the season to be healthy when you need to be? The problem here is, if they ever get healthy enough, they're probably going to be too far gone uh, to, to matter uh, because it still looks like, uh, though... It still looks like Pittsburgh and Cleveland are, are solidly the first two wild card teams. But basically, here is your quarterbacks for the AFC North. Lamar Jackson, Kenny Pickett, D T R, Jake Browning. I mean Not a murderer's row right there. So you almost throw your hands up like, okay, what the hell is going to happen in this one? This is when you rely on the defenses. So Cleveland playing Pittsburgh, you know, that Pittsburgh offense is not a juggernaut offense. I like that Cleveland defense in this. And Man, Jake Browning I have no idea DTR finally gets to work as a number one but he's a young quarterback so we still have zero idea on what it's going to do so a division that at one point had every single team in the playoffs still could get three in but man did the situation
0: get iffy Tell you what, that would have been a great crew for like a New Year's Six bowl game if you talked about those quarterbacks and what they were in college. I'd have paid a lot of money to watch those guys ball out in like the Cheez-It Bowl or the Pop-Tart Bowl. Probably not the same feeling for fans watching in the AFC North right now. I saw a note from Mike Tannenbaum, courtesy of Paul Hembikides over at ESPN. There have now been 48 different starting quarterbacks so far in the NFL this season, and we are just entering Week 11. Obviously, Jake Browning didn't start last night, but now going forward, It seems like if this is as serious as it looked on the sideline, he's going to be the guy for them. And dad, while I said he's like watching Joe Burrow on half podcast speed is Jake Browning can scoot a little bit, made some decisions at good times. You saw Baltimore made it very clear. We mentioned going into the game last night, Baltimore in their games against Joe Burrow hadn't blitzed Burrow a ton in their meetings before were more content to drop back in coverage, give some of the simulated pressures. Once Browning went in there, they pinned their ears back and said, we're going to make this young player really digest on the fly, went after him hard. They're now tied, this Baltimore Ravens team, according to True Media, with the 2,000 New Orleans Saints for the most sacks by an NFL defense through the first 11 weeks of the season. Now they only track back to 2,000, but in the last 23 years, nobody has had more sacks through 11 weeks than this team and that two thousand Saints team, so not the outfit that you want a quarterback in that position coming into if you're the Bengals. But again, Dad, this is all for naught. This is that whole old idea of what you used to hear from uh, from um, I'm drawing a blank right now the old, uh, the old Colts general manager. Oh, Bill Polian. Yeah, Bill Pullian talking about if Peyton Manning goes down, the backup, it doesn't matter. Our season's over when that happens. That's the kind of grouping that we're in with Joe Burrow here at quarterback. Jesse, did we hear from Zach Taylor after the game last night concerning his star quarterback?
1: Yeah, he didn't provide much of an actual update on Burrow, but he did do his best to try to keep his team from too much despair after a really tough uh, division loss here.
0: Uh, it looks like he sprained his wrist, so fell on it early in the game and then felt it on the touchdown pass. All the information I have is, is
2: two seconds worth, and then we went to go try to find to, to win game. I, I know the score was too short of him. I, I get that. I, I know what the perception would be. I, our our guy was fine. You know, I didn't feel like for one second uh,
0: the wind was out of our sails and guys were letting things happen. I, I felt like every single down, in and down out on defense, those guys were competing their tailoffs on offense. Our guys were fighting like crazy, and uh, it's a good football team. It is, and and disappointing that we didn't come through. Um, but again, not discouraging the slightest about what our guys are capable of the rest of the season.
1: So definitely a non-answer here, and he he followed up and said, we have a chance to regroup all the things that we really wanted to do are still in front of us, but not without Joe Mm. Burrow. Am I right, guys?
0: Mm. Oh, no yeah, we'll be yeah. we'll be all waiting with bated breath for that injury update this morning whenever it comes but yeah dad that's a man who I think knows his fate and is just trying to put on a really brave face for the family
2: yeah uh, the one thing you have at least is an excuse our quarterback wasn't there now I, I would say we could easily put them aside in the playoff race if in fact Joe misses a significant amount of time so yeah. let's let's do that and now let's look at Baltimore who is leading that division Yeah and lose Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews has been the go-to for Lamar Jackson for so long. Now, this year, Zay Flowers, who has been a monster pickup, you know, fantastic, fantastic player for them, leads the team in receptions with 53. Uh, Mark Andrews is second with 45. But, you know, he's that go-to guy. Also has six touchdowns, I believe. So, you love him in the red zone, uh, which is obviously a huge part of the game uh, for, for Baltimore. So... How much does this hurt going forward? Because he knew it. Anybody who watched that game, when he went down, he he pointed down to his ankle. He, like, was telling people, come on the field. And Zay Flowers took his helmet off and dropped it. I mean, it's one of those things, Mike, you know. You just know as a player, and you know when you're looking at someone laying on the field, and they know that it's a serious injury. And you could tell that right – even though – it didn't look unbelievably damning. The play—it's like his his ankle got folded under, and you, and you knew well it's, there was probably it's that something. Hip drop to it.
0: tackle that the NFL yes. league office is looking at right now. Like, Dad, I don't know how you feel about that. I understand the argument that there's only so many ways that you can go out there and get it done. Tackling's always going to happen at odd angles, but this is a taught technique and it's one that the league office has pointed out has a really high rate of injury that we've seen out on the field. I mean, Logan Wilson, not for nothing was the tackler on all three plays that injured Ravens players last night. He was the hit on Odell Beckham jr. Late that banged up his shoulder. He was the hit on Lamar Jackson on the sideline and he was the hit on the hip drop tackle that took Mark Andrews out.
2: Listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say we need to get rid of that by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, a lot of times the offensive player has the momentum going forward, and that's one way to stop it. A lot of times, it's a, is it a DB on, on a tight end or a running back who they're smaller than, who they have to try and drop them that way? To me, I, I, listen, I feel bad when people get hurt, but I just, I just don't think you can keep doing things against the defense to hinder them and now say, now you can't do this tackle when, unfortunately for some players, the leverage of that tackle is one of the best ways they can get somebody down without them being dragged further. So I,
0: it's, I, it's I just tough can't just see because, it, because to me it's so similar to the horse collar in what yes, you're trying yeah. to prevent that I don't know how you can justify it. And like you said, it, it's <clears> tough <throat> because it eliminates a certain factor of the game. But remember when the NFL saw the injuries that were happening to players on cut blocks on the backside of zone plays yep. after my former teammate Ian Williams got his ankle broken playing for the 49ers and all of a sudden you outlawed that and it was going to adversely affect the ability to run outside zone plays, but nobody cared because dudes were injured and things were happening. So I wonder if this might be high profile enough to move that. I do understand the plight of the defensive player, but if you've got this much data saying this particular tackle style is causing injuries, I'd be stunned if the NFL didn't act there, but dad to your original question about Mark Andrews, it's a huge blow, but I think at this point, it's one that the Ravens can still overcome just because of what we've started to see with this offense. Now, I took it as a good sign. I don't know about you, Dad. Odell Beckham Jr. went down late with a shoulder injury in that game and was on the sidelines, took his pads off. The game was already well within hand right, at that right. point, and so they didn't have to throw him back out there. It was a banner game for him, and... Watching the development over the last couple of games where Odell Beckham Jr. has now become more of a consistent option for that team. They've got some depth in the tight end room. Isaiah likely's had to moonlight yeah. some action that he's been a backup guy for them. The former pick out of Coastal Carolina. But he's moonlighted as a starter when Andrews has been out in the past in prior years. And then Zay Flowers, who you mentioned, has really ascended to that number one role in the offense. You feel like between that development, uh, Keaton Mitchell in the backfield, who thankfully got more of those touches that we were looking for last night, they've got enough explosive potential now to maybe offset some of that loss in the middle of Mark Andrews, who no doubt, Lamar talked about him after the game. He said, that's been my guy since I was a rookie. He he knows how important he is to that offense. But I think with some of the things that we've started to see materialize in the last few weeks, they can withstand that blow uh, with what they've got currently.
2: Well, Odell's got to be the guy, right? He's third on that team. You go 53 receptions, A Flowers, 45 Andrews, then 24 for Odell. Last three games, though, three games against ago against Seattle, seven targets. The loss to Cleveland, he only had two targets. And then last night, he did have seven targets and four receptions. So we know what kind of a game-breaker he can be. He hasn't been kind of that main or 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 one of the main cogs of that offense. We I think we expected a little bit more, and now – we Baltimore is really going to expect a little bit more. The big thing for Andrew is he's just—it's a safe guy that moves. A moves the sticks and B gets in the end zone, and those are two things that are that are just monstrous, especially when you're getting on into the playoffs for ball control. So we'll see. Certainly nowhere near as devastating as Cincinnati losing Burrow, uh, but still a a heavy hit for Baltimore to take.
0: Yeah, massive massive hit. There's no doubt, and how they offset that. Is going to be huge for them going forward. Because to your point too, Todd Munkin, a guy that loves to use multiple tight end sets, always did when he was at Georgia as a master of utilizing that personnel group. And now we'll see. Maybe that makes way for even more action from these running backs. Gus Edwards actually led the team in rushing last night. Uh, And they were able to close the door, Dad. You look for the positives for Baltimore. They had had a lot of these fourth quarter woes. Certainly, this is fueled by Joe Burrow. But you saw the mentality that they took. I think on the final two drives or two of their last scoring drives, 11 of the 13 plays were rushing attempts. They knew, all right, we've got to lean more into this. We have a chance to slam the door. And we are going to do it. So... Uh, The Ravens get a huge win. They survive our curse in the, hey, are you the best team in football, putting them in our top four for the NFL playoff committee's approach here. But, man, it doesn't feel good in the way that it happened. Baltimore and Cincinnati by the way in this era Lamar Jackson and Burrow had only faced each other four times going into this game because of injury so that'll tell you a lot and by the way it's informative of how people talk about Lamar Jackson going forward where they always bring up the injury concerns you look at his counterpart in this uh, division Joe Burrow been injured just as much if not more yeah. in the early portion of his career and it's unfortunate because these are two guys that the whole NFL is better for in having them on the field and um, Dad, I did want to give a quick shout because so much of yesterday and I'm not going to get into the discourse around you know Carissa Thompson and the things that were said and everything that went on online but I did want to give a shout out with all that injury stuff going on if we're going to talk about sideline reporters Kaylee Hartung who's on the Thursday night broadcast with Alan Herbie did an awesome job last night like I think we should probably spend more time celebrating the win of sideline reporters when they go down there because you know this and doing this for so long they put in so much work during the week talking to Players talking to coaches. You look at the mileage they run during games, going down around the sideline to hawk down information, and you get so much less comparative airtime than the people up in the booth. And you've got to try and find ways to make those moments sing. And I thought Kaylee, especially with all the interview, the injuries last night, did an awesome job in that. You know, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of great sideline reporters. I know you have too, but I, I just wanted yeah. to make sure that there was some love going out there because there was a lot of nasty oh, yeah. conversation yesterday.
2: Yeah, there were, and, I'm, and i and I'm. I would imagine Carissa may regret some of the things she said and why she said it publicly. I, I'm, I'm not really sure why she did, but I've definitely got a, an, an appreciation for sideline because the last two Super Bowls, I've worked the sideline. I've been in the booth my entire life, and now the last two Super Bowls, I worked the sideline. And the one thing you get to do in the booth is talk a lot. And you're right, man. All of a sudden, down on the sidelines, I'm chomping at the bit. I'm in my talk back to the producer. I got this or I got that. And I know full well that they can only come to you so much. So, so it is and you have all this information you're talking to players and coaches you can get it so they put a, they, their, their step counter should be pretty high in those games because they move around
0: a lot to try and get the info Yeah, we've got all that player tracking data right now, the GPS stuff. We need to put that on (laughs) sideline reporters so people get a full appreciation. So love up your favorite sideline reporter and uh, make sure you let them know that the job is important and there's a lot of good that comes from it. Coming up next, let's head to college football from one Harbaugh to another. A ruling for Michigan next. Hey, Dad. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com.
1: Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Go, Joe and Gullick. We have another twist in the Michigan saga that just gets twistier every single day. So, in a shocking move. Michigan has announced that Coach Harbaugh and the Big Ten have settled their litigation. Harbaugh's going to serve his three-game suspension. And guys, the question here really is just why? Why would Harbaugh and Michigan throw in the hat after seemingly coming out swinging on all of these charges? They're going to fight their America's team, blah, blah, blah. And now they're just like, okay, hands up, going to serve the suspension. What do we think is going on here?
0: Yeah, Dad, it changed very quickly. Michigan was uh, standing on business to the utmost degree in this, and... Now, all of a sudden, when faced with Jim Harbaugh, who had said he was going to attend the hearing, he didn't want anyone to play favorites, he just wanted his day in court, he referenced a few good men, all the things as they made a show of their defiance here, and now all of a sudden, at the last minute, decide to go ahead and drop this, and because of that, the Big Ten says that they're going to close their investigation, everything else from here on out is going to be left in the hands of the NCAA after this, so Jim Harbaugh won't coach for Maryland this weekend and won't coach for Ohio State the fall following weekend dad the only thing that i can think of in this is that because the big 10 reserved the right to impose additional penalties if more information came to light Maybe as the week went on and Michigan and their legal team reviewed the situation, they realized there might be a potential for that to happen. And it was better to deal with the devil, you know, get done with this and know that at the very least, you've got the long timeline likely coming up for the NCAA investigation. You won't prompt any more bad blood or any more reason for the Big Ten to look in and do something this year since Tony Petiti's already shown he's got a willingness to do that
2: completely agree. All of a sudden, when you're preparing for this meeting Friday and then you realize that more sanctions can be thrown against you if they find more info, you're like, mm, you know, maybe we just cut our losses right here. And, uh, you know, we, we they won at Penn State without Harbaugh on the sideline, though Ohio State is a, is a better team than Penn State. And, and that was really what this was about, this meeting Friday, if it took place uh, to try and get uh, – Jim Harbaugh back on the sideline, it was for the Ohio State game, right? It wasn't for the yep. Maryland game. It was for the Ohio <laughs> State game to get him back. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. And then it, nothing was going further than that. But I think this is a good way to just close the case. Remember, Jim can be at practice all week. Believe me, he'll be part of everything uh, for that Ohio State game that he needs to be. But he won't be there, so certainly there's, there's going to be some – Against Michigan because he's not on the sideline for other decisions that have to be made. But know that you can know that going in. There's a whole lot of preparation for it. But yeah, I just figure you're right. It's the devil you don't know that the devil uh, you know. Let's just end it because, as I said, and I'm seriously not kidding that 2026 will be the year sanctions will come down from the NCAA, which works perfectly because then you'll punish a bunch of kids who weren't even there uh, for the adults making the mistakes that they made. So uh, just a perfect NCAA situation.
0: Well, I mean, this whole situation, the Big Ten is saying, well, we're punishing the program, but not and not Jim Harbaugh, because they've maintained throughout all of this that they don't have evidence that Jim Harbaugh actually knew or was involved in anything. And yet Jim Harbaugh is the only one that's not playing in these games right now or not involved in these games debt for to give people some idea because I've been asked a ton in recent days, how much does Jim Harbaugh not being on the sideline actually affect him? And like you said, let's put aside Maryland and say in the Ohio State game, if you've got Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, right. again, acting in that, what does that do stressing that team differently? What kind of effect does that actually have? Well,
2: again, it's decisions on the sideline. You're going forward on fourth down. What are your what are your situ, what, situational Things that go on because he'll be part of both game plans, offense, defense, all three, I should say, offense, defense, special teams, because he's going to be there all week. And and also everybody needs to understand rarely, rarely is a player player dealing a lot with your head coach during the week. You're dealing with your position coach and you're dealing with your coordinator. That's who you're dealing with the head coach is kind of the CEO they oversee everything so from a from a preparation standpoint during the week which again Jim Harbaugh will be there Still, even then, the players don't have a lot of association or work with Jim Harbaugh. It's their it's their coaches. So that's the main thing, and it's going to be really Jim and the coaches, the conversation he has with with the coaching staff about situations, about when are we go, going to go for it on fourth downs, situations that have to be made in a split second that everybody looks to Jim, and Jim is going to make that decision. That's what you miss. Now, whoever is going to be responsible for making that decision is it going to be the interim head coach is it going to be that guy or do they say enough is on his plate to be the interim head coach do they spread out the responsibility of certain situations going to different coaches that's what i don't know but that's the biggest thing you miss i think by now and and just the comfort feeling of that's your coach man i mean that's that's your guy right um but as far as actual practical application it's those quick decisions that need to be made that coaches look to the head coach hey uh you know jim will say hey if we get it to uh fourth and less than five in this situation we're going for it so now the coach knows that okay i'm going to run a play base for that now who makes that decision now who's 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 responsible for doing what jim did Where now where everybody looked at jim now they have to look at some other coach there and and that that could have an effect
0: Yeah, it stresses the chain of command, right? Everybody's got their role on game day and their responsibility. And to your point, yeah, you don't deal much with the head coach even during the body of a game if you're a player. And so now for like the offensive line specifically, they're used to Sharon Moore being the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator. And so they've got a particular game day cadence with him. Hey, how they communicate when they come over to the sideline, what that's like. Now all of a sudden that becomes different because Sharon Moore's got to be the head coach if he is, in fact, the guy that continues doing that going forward. And so everybody else involved has to change their communication in that process. And it's a little thing until it's in a game like Ohio State, where now if you're a Michigan, fan too I look at this and say built an excuse like yeah. if it does go wrong and I'm sure you don't think it's gonna go wrong and you still believe your team is capable of beating Ohio State the way they had the last two years but if they somehow managed to lose now built an excuse like you've got that in your back pocket you're ready to go so feels like a win-win for everybody in no way shape or form I'm sure Michigan fans are going to be I'd be curious what the reaction is at Gojo and Golik on Twitter from Michigan fans if any of you out there listening right now what the reaction is to the school closing up shop and doing this right before this critical juncture of your season dad the only other big headline from college football that I saw yesterday that was interesting well one I should say one of a few Texas A&M apparently throwing their Hail Mary and shooting their shot for Dan Campbell, who is a former Aggie. He's a Texas A&M alum back from the mid-90s as a tight end there and got summarily rejected. Dan Campbell, it seems, came out and made it abundantly clear, at least according to reports that uh he was not going to take that job which dad i can't imagine you could find an nfl coach right now that even for all of the money that comes from that black gold that they uh that they use down there in college station i'm not sure there's enough money in the world to convince an nfl coach to go back down to college given all the things that you have to manage right now
2: (laughs) yeah i think the only ones you're going to get are the college coaches that come to the nfl fail and then go back to college see matt rule right who turned around a couple of programs in Temple and Baylor, goes to Carolina, doesn't work there, gets paid a ton of money, and is now in Nebraska. So, as far as, you know, and we know, and, and we always hate talking about it, because it's people's jobs, there will be four, five, six openings in the NFL this year. And if these weren't guys that coached in college and have been in the NFL, you're right, they're going to stay in the NFL, and they're probably going to be coordinators somewhere. That's what happens. You drop back down to coordinator, unless you're that college coach, and you go back to college. I don't blame Texas A&M for shooting their shot i mean this is one of the reasons one of the reasons why you fire jimbo now is you can start you know be out there looking you know for another head coach and get feelers at least out there of who may be interested why not take a shot for dan campbell he he wasn't going to go there but you never know right he may have such an allegiance to that school that maybe they were banking on the fact that he said oh my god i get to go coach where i played and may have loved it you don't know unless you ask So you you back channel that thing and you ask and you find out he's good uh, where he's at and uh, it'll be interesting that job. There will be more jobs that will open up, but that's going to be a real interesting one as a team that is not in the upper level of the SEC taking on, you know, all the SEC foes you will. It's always nice if you're losing to land on a bunch of money
0: to make the landing a little softer there are few things more valuable in college football than a quality coach who happened to play for or attend your university. Getting a little bit of that hometown love. Couldn't go all the way and close the deal with Dan Campbell, so we'll wait and see, like you said, who they're able to toss fistfuls of cash to next. Coming up next, though, maybe my favorite picture of the entire week as Major League Baseball hands out some hardware at the postseason. It clouds even more about one player's future next. Summertime is an awesome chance to enjoy some downtime, but also focus on taking care of myself before I get to the grind of fall football season and everything that comes with that. So I like to make sure I'm getting outside, moving around, eating as best I can, and of course, using some sunscreen, especially on top of my bald head to protect myself. And whether you're off to the pool, hiking, or traveling this summer, remember you're always bringing your microbiome with you. That's the 38 trillion bacteria that live in and on you, especially in your gut, that are essential to whole body health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits your gut, skin, and heart health in just two capsules a day. I've been taking seed for about a month now, and dso one has been awesome for me. I feel more regular, my skin looks and feels great, and it's incredibly convenient. I can store it right in the cabinet with all my other supplements because I don't have to worry about refrigerating it, and the free travel vial that I got with the welcome kit allows me to take dso one on the go with me wherever I am during this busy summer. Because remember, your body's an ecosystem, and great whole body health starts in the gut. Your gut's that central hub for all the various pathways throughout your body and a healthy gut microbiome means benefits for digestion skin health heart health your immune system and so much more and it's backed by a ton of science with clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals seeds probiotic research and development make dso1 a product you know you can trust not only has every ingredient been tested individually in scientific studies for their safety dosage and benefits the dso1 formulation as a whole has been evaluated in two clinical trials so support your gut this summer With Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo.
1: back to Gojo and Golik. MLB announced their MVP award winners last night. And Shohei Otani, oh man, the two-way star, became the first two-time unanimous MVP when he won the AL Honor last night. Pretty cool. Um, and then Ronald Acuna, also named NL MVP, also a unanimous winner. So this is the first time both the AL and NL MVPs were unanimous. Pretty cool. And guys... There was no better moment than when Shohei Otani was announced as the winner, and he, he, was, he was at home when it happened, and he's on camera, and he has his dog with him, and then he high-fived his puppy. Yep. So, I just, I mean, look at this dog, look how cute it is. Look at it! Little, little high-five! This little yeah, fella! That's... Oh, my God.
0: On and off the field, Shohei Atani is my MVP. That is my face of baseball. That's a man who understands, Dad, the easiest marketing tactic of all time. Insert dog, acquire currency. And Shohei Atani just continues to win over more people as he's walking into an off season where, oh, by the way, last night, neither him nor Ronald Acuna Jr. Now, Ronald Acuna Jr. was making his debut for the uh, Tiburones de la Guara in the Venezuelan Winter League shortly after claiming the award. But I didn't see a reason that Shohei didn't show up to talk to the baseball writers after this other than he kind of knows his future is going to be the center focus of most of this offseason and so we get even more cloudy images around that but we get the greatest image of all time which is him high-fiving a dog
2: yeah he didn't want to talk about that so he figured i'll high-five my dog and i'm dipping on out of this thing so a good move by him and when you're that good and have that kind of clout you can go ahead and do that so uh, that this is going to be the most interesting story of the baseball offseason. Obviously, where does he go and how much does he get? People are putting in in the five hundred million some range. Does he get that much with the you know the the Tommy John surgery again on his arm? So all looking like he wouldn't pitch next year, just hit. So does that affect? Listen, he's going to be okay either way. Somehow, some way, he'll pay the bills. Uh, but it, it is going to be some kind of ridiculous amount of money, and then. Real quickly, because we're talking about him and the Angels, the domino effect, if he does go somewhere else, the GM for the Angels has basically said Mike Trout is an angel and we're going to win a lot of games with him, which is the kiss of death. So as soon as Shoei Otani signs somewhere else, there's rumors out there of Trout being traded to the Phillies. Could you imagine that? I mean, oh, my God, oh. another just lunch pail dude. And when I say that, I know these guys are making just tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. He's but quiet he and has a thick play. neck
0: that qualifies you yeah. for being a lunch pail guy. Yeah,
2: yeah. So could you imagine the Phillies pulling that one off? I mean, they need to make sure they re-sign Arenola for sure from the pitching standpoint. But, man, that would be, that's kind of the the rumor out there. And as I said, you get the kiss of death when the GM for the Angels said, no, 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 Mike Trout is an angel. Yeah, you know, and it's a no trade that he would have to give up. You know how long Mike Trout's
0: an angel? Until he isn't. Yeah, I feel like we can trace this all back. And I remember when we talked to Jared Carabas from Baseball is Dead about this before the season coming off the World Baseball Classic, where you saw both of those guys get a little taste of what life is like when you get to play meaningful postseason baseball. And that might have been the worst thing that could have ever happened to the Angels because for so long, Mike Trout just sat over there and did his thing. And he talked about being the weatherman, and he barely talked at all if he did. And he just stayed over there, and he crushed baseballs, and he was one of the greatest baseball players of all time. But now he got a little taste of that. And I wonder if him and Shohei after that both kind of looked at each other because you had Team USA and Japan face off in the championship of that and Shohei's squad gets the win. And I wonder if they were sitting in the clubhouse at one point after that and they're just like, we got to get the hell out of here, man. Like, we're both going to be crazy rich. That's the baseline for this. And obviously, Mike Trout made choices, right? When he re-signed there in the past, he made the choice that, all right, I'm going to take this money with the understanding that I kind of know what the deal is around here. But man, you saying him in Philly, like you want to talk about a a guaranteed ticket to the postseason. You play on that team... You feel like we got a really good shot at delivering Mike Trout to the dance for the first time in a long time. And that would be stellar for everyone involved in baseball. Because we talk about this all the time in all sports with the NBA in-season tournament. What you need is your best players in the best spots at all time. We had gotten that with a guy like Bryce Harper. Not even the best player, but an incredibly electric player. A team that was a ton of fun in that World Series stage. Injecting Mike Trout into that situation would be mana from heaven for Major League Baseball.
2: Yeah, it would. And listen, Mike Trout, we know, has been nicked up some as of late, and it's not like he would go to that team and you say, there's our only superstar. They have a great team. that They would just be adding another bullet to the chamber with a guy like Mike Trout. So, we'll see how it plays out. I um, have, have no idea, but Shohei Otani, I, I think we're all pretty confident, is not going to be an angel. And that, as I said, would that start a domino effect of Mike Trout heading out of there as well, whether it's to Philly or somewhere else. So, um, Shoei, I, the, the number is going to be, that's what we need to start looking at, greatest free agent signings in any sport. Of what they were, I guess that doesn't include, you know, Saudi money because that kind of
0: throws yeah I was gonna everything say, we off. We're gonna we were, we yeah. we're gonna we we're gonna put that off to the side because yeah. that's sort of a different tax bracket and it doesn't feel great. Uh, neither no. does this, Dad. Uh, we saw the news yesterday that Major League Baseball's owners voted unanimously uh, to relocate the Oakland A's to Las Vegas and become just the mo- most recent in a string of teams migrating to the desert. And, Dad, I don't think anything sums up the business around this more because we get people arguing on both sides of this and you know, how people view these situations. They're always hyper local. So I'm always hesitant to get too much into the family business of what was asked for locally, how they've been trying to go about securing stadium funds. Because at the end of the day, I'm kind of of the mind that if the rich people want something to happen, the rich people are going to do whatever they need to make it happen. So much so that I'm reading the ESPN.com article by Jeff Passan. And one of the things brought up in this discussing some of the complications from the move is the move is not yet finalized legal challenges from a teacher's union in Nevada regarding the $380 million that the state has committed to the construction of the $1.5 billion stadium in the Las Vegas Strip could scuttle the move, but winning approval for the owners marks a significant step toward Oakland losing its last major men's professional sports team. That is all you need to know that, oh yeah, these teachers that are concerned with the money that could be going towards education in the state, they're going to be but a minor speed bump on the path to Las Vegas, getting another very profitable sports team jammed in there
2: listen we talk about the leverage hammer swinging whatever you can and if the teachers union has some leverage in this i hope they swing it and i hope they get paid because we all know I, the value of teachers, right? I mean,
0: we get it, but-, no, but uh, that, It's not about them getting paid. It's about the allocation of funds to education to the state. And my point is, they have no leverage in this situation. They're gonna get well, railroaded. I, let's put it this way. I hope I don't know anything about the local politics of that. I should go out with that. But this feels like a situation, Dad, where they are gonna be a speed bump on the way to so, Vegas, getting exactly what they want with the sports team. And it's a further commentary about the things that we value as a country and how sports tends to work. Where again, rich, powerful men who own these teams, want things in the desert right now because that's the hot place to have a team it's gonna get done no matter what
2: as where i was going until you so rudely interrupted me is if you have any kind of leverage for something whether it's for you or for your profession swing it But at the end of the day is where I was going. They're going to lose out. I hope they get some, but I agree with you. They're going to be a speed bump. Baseball is going to be in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is the hottest place right now for professional sports, except if you're F1, because that's turning out to be an abject failure. uh, What's going to go on this weekend? We can get into that in a little bit, but it's been brutal. And I was just out there witnessing a lot of it. But Vegas, hey, they are proving that they can hold – a crowd right we 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 kind of wondered what would happen in LA when they got not one but two teams with the Rams and the Chargers with people just doing so many other things uh, out in LA and and I've been to a few games you've been to them as well out there where you know what visiting crowds are pretty pretty prevalent out there so But in Vegas, man, you look at the Golden Knights, uh, you look at the Aces, I mean, you look at how much those teams are loved there and when they're doing well as well, so, and the Raiders would be as well if they started to win, so this is Vegas. it's so amazing mike that not long ago vegas was just taboo to professional sports and once once everybody learned how to navigate the money and oh by the way the the incredible amount of money that you can make all of a sudden it wasn't so taboo anymore it's just amazing what the almighty dollar can do
0: sorry for cutting you off before i was a little overzealous are
2: you and you get excited i know that's okay that's okay
0: No worries. A lot of passion. A lot of passion for the teachers, because here at Gojo and Golik, we believe in supporting and paying the teachers (laughs) right now. Support and pay the teachers. Support the troops. Save the whales. All that stuff. We didn't ask for any of this. Coming up next, speaking of someone who asked for all of this, we had the Warriors in their first game since Draymond Green was ejected and then suspended five games in a brawl. We'll see what Steve Kerr had to say about it next.
1: Welcome back to Gojo and Golic. Last night, the Warriors played in their first game since the brawl. They took on uh, the Thunder, and they had no Draymond Green because of the suspension. Once again, no Curry. And once again, they did lose. So here is Steve Kerr after the game talking about what his team needs to do to stop the skid amidst a five-game losing streak.
0: Got to be grittier. We got to be. We, we got to show more uh, spark and energy defensively. We have got to put up uh, a better fight. You know, it just felt like they got anything they wanted. We had a lot of miscommunications on on pick and roll coverages, and um, you know, anytime you're. In a rut like this, I mean, we're obviously in it right now, uh, five and ro- five losses in a row. So, uh, when you're in that state, um, you, there's only one way out, and that's to dig, dig your way out of it. And you got to fight and compete, and and that's what we have to do.
1: Guys, Steve Kerr saying they got to fight, they got to compete, but it seems like they're having a little bit of trouble doing that without Steph Curry and Draymond Green.
0: Oh. I feel like Draymond's ears probably perked up when he said fight. He's like, oh, okay, so you want this. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Say less, Coach Bet."
2: I mean, listen, we, you don't have Steph Curry. I mean, that, that's obviously a huge part of us and Draymond. I mean, why are we overly shocked? How about Chet Holmgren went for a double-double, though? We were waiting for that mat- big matchup with uh, you know Wemby, and uh, it really didn't materialize. He goes for 13-10. and 10. Against a depleted Golden State team, they're going to be fine. This this is this is like an elongated football season, right? There's 82 games instead of 17. You go through injuries, you go through guys missing games, uh, whether it's load management or whether it's actual injury. Uh, but it's just be healthy at the right time, and then it's about where you are in the playoffs. Are you playing in? Are you in the playoffs? And what you do from there? So I don't worry about things like this when they're just injuries that are going to keep you out for a few games here and there, uh, unless you get to the major injuries. And Dray- Draymond is a wild card because you don't know. He, he does and, and And as I've always said, the guy's a heck of a player and he's a guy you want on your team, right? He's a guy you want on your team and you'd rather not play against him. You'd rather have him on your team because he's a guy that I would always rather pull, pull a guy back than tell him I need more now draymond as we've noticed goes a little too far at times and you have to pull him back a lot but i'd still lean toward that and oh by the way they have the hardware that says this formula still works even though he could be kind of a wild card and i'd still still like him as a teammate
0: you know what this is the perfect analogous situation for what's going on with josh allen and the buffalo bills right where your way of doing things has gotten you considerable amount of offensive success, like we talked about yesterday in right. Buffalo, where we look and go, they're so good at so many things. They've been able to do it in spite of these turnovers. So, how big of a problem really is it for them when in actuality their biggest problem is they just have run into in the postseason two quarterbacks and two teams that are better right now in the Chiefs and in the Bengals. Maybe the turnovers factor in that. For Draymond Green, it's a similar thing where it's hey, we've won all this hardware by me being me. So, why have I been incentivized at anywhere along the journey to not be me at any juncture where I'm presented the opportunity to be the most me? And in this case, it was choking somebody out, like Steve Kerr saying, This is inexcusable. And Draymond has. To, when has Draymond Green ever known where the line was? Like, we're just coming off. Didn't he get suspended last postseason for stomping on Damana Sabonis' chest? Like, all this moment is going to turn out to be, Dad, is the moment we point back to when he's suspended for a much more meaningful game for some other activity where people look at and go, Well, should we give draymond green the benefit of the doubt and then we're gonna pull up the google image search of him choking out rudy gobert and go no probably doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt and he's gonna get sat down for a playoff game
2: guys are gonna play how they play right and you're gonna you're gonna not want it to happen i go back to my years in philadelphia if if jerome brown or reggie white or clyde simmons jumped off sides or got a penalty you know buddy ryan would be like guys just don't do that again if i did that you know and they're like, get Golik out of there, get somebody else in, right? So, I mean, it, it's just it's the way you way you play. If it's successful for you, and it was successful for those guys I played with, it's been successful for Golden State and Draymond Green. You just have to live with it. Doesn't mean you don't hold your breath when something chippy starts to happen. You go, oh god! It's like. My my analogy is like when you and Jake were playing grade school lacrosse and Jake got in a full head of steam run against somebody because he was bigger than everybody and faster than somebody. We all just went, oh, God, he's going to end up in the penalty box. And sure enough, he would destroy some kid and end up in the penalty box when you see. It get chippy out there. You just, oh, God, Draymond's going to get a technical. It's just a matter of if he's going to get thrown out of the game and suspended or not. But, you know, he's probably at least going to get a technical. And you're right, though. That's what he does. I mean, you, you can sit there and say he needs to learn, he needs to learn, he needs to learn, and you'd like him to learn the line a little bit. But, as I said, when you have hardware, when you can dangle the rings on your fingers, you're going to let a little bit slide.
0: Yeah, players tend to be what they're incentivized to be and what they're rewarded for. In sports and that's true at every level that's why you see guys who get pushed through because of great talent along the way manifest some problems later on because everyone's like well you can do the thing we all want you to do really well and so we'll worry about that all after the fact so they're going to be fine. You're right. Once Steph Curry comes back, we kind of know the drill around there and it's early in the NBA season. So it's hard for me to get fired up about anything. It's easy for me to get fired up about this. And here's my ham fisted transition is the Los Angeles Lakers, according to a report might be interested in bull star Zach Levine as the calls have started to come in there. There's also a report dad that LA might be interested in maybe a return of a guy like Alex Caruso, the bald Eagle who made his name over in Los Angeles before heading out there, which brings me to this. This, Alex Caruso, proud bald man like myself. Mm -hmm. I was texted this headline from the internet. Indie100.com. Don't know what that is, but I'm going to trust it. Prince William was named the sexiest bald man of 2023, according to a study. In what world? In what ungodly world? Now, for background in this study, it was a marketing agency called Reboot, and they looked at how many times bald men had been searched... For alongside words like shirtless or naked, while analyzing their heights, net worths, how shiny their scalps are, to come up with a total sexy score out of 10. He just narrowly edged out Vin Diesel for the number two spot. Like, what are we doing here? What Vin are Diesel. we doing? Yes, this like is, Vin Diesel this is at about the two a-
2: spot. So this is about as clear-cut. And Jesse, I'll bring you in on this as well. To me, if you just mention that criteria, I am immediately going to The Rock. And that's it. It's The Rock, and then it's everybody else. Unless you give me another person.
1: Uh, I just want to say, like, Prince William's not bald. He's... He's he's balding. 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 He hasn't gone... He has not embraced it. He is losing... He's not brought it home? He is losing his hair. We all can see it, but he's still got stuff going on over here because he won't embrace yeah. it and be bald.
0: He's got the Paul Feinbaum right now. Yeah, so and... he's
1: not bald. He's just traumatically losing his hair publicly and not addressing it.
0: Mike, who, who made, made you bald? come home? Bumani Jones. Bamani Jones. Yeah. And I feel like this is, and you know what? Maybe we can be this right now for Prince William because, again, you are what you're incentivized to be. He just got told he's super sexy by this website. So he's like, man, my hairstyle's hitting right now. Prince William let me let me look you in the eye right now I know there's a lot more stuff that we could probably address with the royal family that's much more severe given the history of your country but we'll put that to the side for the day and we'll instead say this brother come on home everyone in the ball community's got to have someone who's their guide their shepherd to the next phase in life because we all make the mistake where we walk around going it's not that bad The other hair that I got, it's offset, and No one's noticing. People are still feeling me right now. No, no, no. They're feeling the title. They're feeling a bunch of other things. I promise it's not the hairstyle. We just went through this with uh, Derek White in the NBA. Came on home this offseason here. He's so much better for it for the Boston Celtics right now. I bet he's playing better because of it. We need his splits before and after that. But Bamani Jones back in the day gave me the message I needed which was it was time to come on home. Time to come on to the bald lifestyle. It's easier maintenance. Once you get used to the shaving methods and what works for you, you're gonna love the smooth feel of a freshly shaved bald head and it's gonna clean up the act a little bit right now because the side chops hey listen for paul feinbaum and a select few i think especially in the older male crowd you can make that work the rest of us no 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 so prince william it's been time but let me be one of the many people joining in the chorus and maybe be your sponsor in coming on home for real this
1: time. i don't know there was nothing there was nobody hotter than prince william with hair so my you're from the richest family in the world why don't you just get new hair
0: well yeah, you there you go opportunity and, to do that and,
2: and, and like i said is anybody is anybody topping the rock right now of the bald I, studs so
0: out there shamar moore is probably in range for that oh too. god He's a pretty yes. good looking bald guy oh my like god. He, i would probably put him at the top of the heap
1: by
0: a mile nominate your favorite sexy bald man out there and we'll get to the best answers next